Welcome in to the Chandler Carney Show. We are back this week. Uh, we got a loaded show today. We got a lot to discuss and open up about. Um, there's some interesting news coming out of the college football world. Uh, we're going to dive into that. We're going to dissect it a little bit. I'm going to give you my thoughts on what's going on in different scenarios, as well as I will give an updated list of the rankings for the college football playoff. Uh, we'll talk a little golf and just a touch of the NFL today. But we're going to stick with mainly college football for right now. Uh, the season's winding down and it's getting really, really serious. So I hope you enjoy. And the podcast begins now. You're listening to The Chandler Carney Show. Brought to you by Air Raid Sports. Now, here's your host, Chandler Carney. All right, so um, to recap the weekend in sports, Dustin Johnson has won the 2020 Masters. Uh, he, you know, obviously, if you're listening and you don't keep up with a, a lot of golf or anything like that, the Masters were played in November this year. Um, something about a pandemic was going on or something back, you know, so they, they moved it to November. Uh, I think it turned out really good. I think that this is – you know, it really doesn't have an asterisk beside uh, who won. Like a lot of people were saying with, you know, the World Series, the NBA Finals, um, maybe even the college football playoff, uh, Super Bowl. But the best comp- players in the world competed. Dustin Johnson is the world number one um, ranked golfer. So uh, it's fitting that he wins it. And he won it, uh, crushed a course record, shot 20 under on the weekend. I think on Friday, if he had, you know, got one more birdie or one less bogey, he would have shot four straight rounds in the 60s, which ironically has only been done, I think, once at Augusta National during the Masters, and that was this weekend. So it would have been very interesting to see that. I think the course uh, played fairly well. DeChambeau, who was a heavy favorite going into the Masters, uh, just driver wasn't really on this week. The thing is, is you know you got to hit fairways. You can't just bomb it down um, 400 yards into the rough. So he was he wound up in the woods a lot. I think that going into to the, the uh, Masters, uh, I talked about this with uh, Chris Harris on the. On the Favorite Caution podcast, if you haven't checked that out, that gambling podcast, uh, do so. It's, it's you know I, we have a lot of fun doing it. I you know I think four guys are really if I had to gamble on who who I think would win it I, going in, I think it would have been Xander Shoffley, who was playing really well, really good golf lately. Uh, Justin Thomas, who pre- was previously the number one uh, ranked golfer in the world. Um. He's just always at the top of that leaderboard. I think John Rahm, and and not because he hit that little, you know, I say little, uh, not because he hit the hole in one uh, during the practice rounds, but because he's been playing really good. I think he's ranked at number two right now. I think World Golf Rankings is Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, and and Justin Thomas. Um, So, and then my fourth one would have been Dustin Johnson. So, I. all four of those guys had really good odds. They were, I think, they were ten to one. I think Shoffley may have even been thirteen to one uh, to win it. So they were really good gambling odds for sure. So hopefully you cashed in on that. 
So congrats to Dustin Johnson for for winning the Masters, finally getting his green jacket, uh, second major of his career, and I think um, I think he'll, he definitely has uh, more in the tank. I think he'll definitely uh, win a couple more, maybe not a career Grand Slam, but he's playing golf like he's starting to want to be remembered as one of the best to play, and I think he can keep it up. Um, there will be a lot of cocaine jokes going on, but you know. That's just good memes. I think that he has um, definitely earned a lot of respect on the tour um, because, yeah, he's old. He does look like Bradley Cooper, but at the same time, um, he's got a fine wife for sure. So he doesn't really even need golf, and he just, man, he just, uh, he just plays consistently lately, and. And that's all you can ask for. Um, he won the FedEx Cup as well. So it's looking that uh, Dustin Johnson could could have a 2021 similar to Jordan Spieth's 2015. Um, so that's something to keep keep an eye on, definitely going down, down the stretch. Okay, so big news coming out of college football world last night. South Carolina has relieved Will Muschamp's of head coaching duties. Um, that's just a nice way of saying that they fired his ass. Um, here's the thing, and I'm and we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this for for just a few minutes because one I think this is actually um, interesting because I've said numerous times that going into the season, uh, Will Muschamp, Derek Mason have the hottest seats in college football. Um, Clay Hilton probably could have been in that conversation, but he is working his slowly working his way out of it. But with COVID and and budgets going around the athletic departments, it was a concern to me that many teams probably wouldn't pull the trigger and fire their head coaches just yet. They probably just give them some time. But South Carolina, I guess, finally got tired of it. Here's the thing with Will Muschamp. And I'm going to say this, and you can come at me with whatever you want, but the thing is, Will Muschamp is a good defensive coordinator. I'm not saying he's great. Will Muschamp's a good defensive coordinator. A lot of times you see these defensive-minded guys, and they just can't do it as a head coach for – Numerous reasons. Now, let's look at, at Georgia for a second. Kirby Smart is similar to Will Muschamp, okay, in the way that they're both defensive-minded, um, really good defensive coordinators for sure. Uh, they recruit fairly well. I think Kirby obviously recruits way better. Maybe Georgia has a a little more – you know, noticeability on the national stage than, than South Carolina. But they're the same because, one, for the love of God, they can't find uh, a, a good offensive rhythm going. Um, Georgia, Kirby finds quarterbacks like more so than than Will Muschamp. Will Muschamp can't, can't recruit a quarterback to save his entire life. Uh, couldn't do it at Florida. Can't do it at South Carolina. If you recall, Will Muschamp was the coach in waiting at Texas behind 
uh, Mac Brown, and he got tired of waiting, I guess, and took that Florida job. And after Urban Meyer left, and it just he just never felt right in in the head coaching position. And I don't think I think some people just aren't meant to be uh, head coaches. Now here's some here's the interesting thing about um, Will Muschamp and and the fact that he got fired. There is a big buyout with him at, at South Carolina. Like it's pretty pretty crazy that this happened during an economically challenged year, I guess you could say. They're gonna have to pay him thirteen million dollars. Um these contracts are just crazy right now. And so if you remember when Arkansas fired uh, Chad Morris last year, uh, they they kind of had to still obviously pay him a lot of money. Like those buyouts are are huge. And Urichek, who is the AD at Arkansas, really didn't want to pay him. He didn't he didn't think that he deserved it. And I'm not saying he's wrong. But legally, he is wrong. You know, the contract was signed. This is what happened. And then they were also paying uh, Brett Bielema, the you know, the previous, previous head coach at Arkansas. And I think they're trying to get out of paying him, Brett Bielema, honestly. Um, whether they're being cheap, I don't know, whatever. But they're trying to not pay these guys. And so when Sam Pittman took the job at Arkansas last year, there's kind of a, an agreement that, look, if you're doing a crap job and we fire you, we're not paying you this full amount. Like, this is what we're going to pay you. And for you to get this amount of money, you have to at least win, you know, so many more ball games. And so I think that's how these next few – contracts are going to go for a lot of these up-and-coming coaches because when you're looking at firing your coach because well he doesn't win ball games he gives up 53 points a game he can't score to save his life but we have to pay him 13 million dollars and we have to pay the rest of his staff 17 million dollars so to get rid of him we have to spend $30 million on top of whoever else we hire, which let's just say it's a, it's a bigger name. They're probably going to want more than $3 million a year. All right? So it, it creates a challenge for, for athletic directors, athletic departments. I think a lot of coaches are being overpaid because – these buyouts are ridiculous because ultimately you have no incentive to win. Well, if I lose and get fired, hey, I'm still going to get paid $13 million. So it doesn't matter. I think that – I'm not saying that, that all coaches are like that. I'm not saying that any coaches are like that. I'm sure they all want to win. Nobody likes to lose. But there's a security – and a safety net and a backup plan for when if things go go awry. Okay. I think that 
Will Muschamp and where he ends up. I think that he'll end up as a defensive coordinator somewhere, probably at Auburn, if I had to guess. Just throwing that out there. Maybe Jim Harbaugh decides it's time to move on from uh, the Don Brown era because that's obviously not getting the job done, bring Muschamp in. I don't know if they would do that, honestly. Uh, Muschamp may end up like Willie Taggart, uh, struggled at the the Power 5 level for a couple years. But, you know, he's finding more and more success at the lower level in the group of five level. Uh, we saw it previously at uh, when he was at the University of South Florida, and we're seeing it kind of now when he's at Florida Atlantic. So maybe maybe that's somewhere where he would go. Uh, call me crazy, but if I'm if I'm Southern Miss, I would probably contact Will Muschamp just from the strict standpoint of name recognition. Uh, it's you're going to get your program noticed a little more. Uh, we've seen it with Jim McElwain. Uh, you know he's the head coach now at Central Michigan. Uh, he took that lower level paying job, and he wanted to be a head coach again. And he and I, I think Jim McElwain is a good coach. I think he's actually having uh, really good success at Central Michigan right now. But you're kind of working your way back into things. I think that will probably end up being Will Muschamp's next move, uh, taking a head coaching job at a group of five school at a lower level and trying to, you know, figure some things out. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, a lot of people have done it. So I really – it's really going to be interesting to see uh, where he goes in this coaching carousel. Now, there's obviously a lot of chatter about who's going to get this job and who they're going for. And I'm going to give you my top five people who I think should be contacted. And there's three on this list that I think should be – on every single person that is looking for a, a head coach next year, these people, all three of them, should be on their radars. So the, the top three coaching candidates I have for any Power 5 school is obviously Hugh Freeze. We'll get that out of the way. That can be a biased answer, but I really think it's true. Luke Fickle at Cincinnati and Billy Napier at Louisiana. Okay. Here's the theme. L Luke Fickle makes absolutely zero sense at South Carolina, but I still think you should kick the tires on him. He's a really good coach. He's a really good recruiter and he's doing crazy things right now at Cincinnati. So I really think you should try to get him, but I know it just doesn't make sense that much. Uh, Hugh Freeze makes sense from the standpoint that he has coached in the SEC. He has made it known that he's always wanted to coach in the SEC. And I think that if the opportunity presented itself at the right program, he would take it to be the coach at an SEC program again. I don't know if South Carolina is that program, but I think that he would at least listen to to what – is going on, what's being said, what's being offered. And, you know, I'm not saying he would take it, but I'm saying that that there there would be, I think, mutual interest in the in the job. The one that makes the absolute most sense is Billy Napier. 
Um, Billy Napier is uh, – I don't think he's a South Carolina native, but I know he has a long history of coaching college football at the lower FCS level uh, in the state of South Carolina. So he's also, in my mind, the next guy up. We, we talk about that in coaching is next guy up. I think, I think it's Napier. Napier is the next guy up. And it makes a lot of sense for him to to go to South Carolina. He turned the Mississippi State job down. Um, he was kind of holding out for something bigger. Uh, I think that had you know to do more with the recruiting process at that time was kind of over with, and so none he wouldn't have been able to recruit any of the players that he was getting. I think that had a lot to do with it, knowing that, hey, look, I got a good group of guys. And and Louisiana is killing it right now. They're playing really good football. You know, I got a good group group of guys here. I can just hold out for a year and, and you know, possibly get a better job than Mississippi State. And I think this is um this is a good fit. And I will not be surprised if Napier is the first choice and is ultimately the uh, selection and goes to South Carolina for this job. Now, there's two names you may not have heard that I think are, you know, very benef- would be very beneficial to the South Carolina program. Uh, the first one is uh, uh, the name that. I think a lot of people may not know is uh, Jamie Chadwell. He is the currently he's the head coach at uh, Coastal Carolina, uh, which is obviously is in South Carolina. I think is in Conway. So obviously that may not be the sexiest name, the person that you really want, but I also think that it would be a good fit. I think he's well on his way to becoming a head coach. Maybe not at South Carolina or a big SEC program. But he has Coastal Carolina ranked. They're undefeated. And I think that this would be a a hometown hire that the fan base could get behind. So I think that that's a name to keep an eye on. And if you don't know, you know, who he is, uh, just, uh, you know, Keep your eye out on Coastal Carolina, the the Chanticleers, and they will. Uh, you, you'll soon learn that hey, this guy's probably not a bad bad choice for a head coach somewhere. And I think there's two in my mind that aren't currently head coaches, but that would shake up the South Carolina program in an astronomical way. Okay. Those two names. First one is Shane Beamer. I know a lot of people are throwing Shane Beamer's name around. And if if you're not familiar with, with who Shane Beamer is, he's currently the assistant head coach at Oklahoma. Basically, he's, I, I would say, probably, quote, unquote, the offensive coordinator. But, you know, Lincoln Riley is actually the one that, that calls the plays, is, that's building the offense. But Shane Beamer's had a hand in that. And if it's one thing that South Carolina lacks, it is offense. And they have lacked it for uh, many years. So that would be a very interesting hire 
I think that Shane Beamer will get his chance soon. It may not be at that big of a level to begin with, but I think that if you're trying to make a splash hire, that's who you go get. And then the the I said top five, but I'm going to give six names because I think this one is a very long shot. Probably would never happen. But if I'm South Carolina, this guy may be number two on my list. Uh, and it's very simple. It is uh, Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator uh, for Clemson. And there are so many reasons why he would be a good fit at South Carolina. Uh, first of all, obviously, he knows how to recruit in South Carolina. I mean, he's been doing it for a very long time. He is um, an excellent defensive coordinator. He's almost just crazy in the discipline that he instills in his players. And if you really want to beat Clemson, because let's face it, like that's a big deal. Uh, you're telling me that South Carolina just – falls apart, and then their rival, who was a doormat in the ACC for so long, just kind of revitalizes it and slowly builds up into this perennial powerhouse of a program. That kind of, you have to look around and say, well, why didn't we do that? Like, what, what, what did we do differently? Oh, here's a guy that could tell you. Here's a guy that could show you how to do it. Uh, now, do I think Brent Venables would take this job? Probably not. He seems like a very loyal person. Uh, he seems like, uh, you know, he, he really likes being at Clemson. But it's definitely worth trying to talk to him about it, you know, maybe contacting him, floating it out there to see what what the reaction is to it because that's a really big one. And I think that that one could change the ultimate course of your program. So those are who I have. Uh, if you have different ones, uh, tweet me, let me know. Tell me who you think. Tell me why you think that. I think that these are six guys, really five, because I think Luke Fickle makes absolutely zero sense going to South Carolina. But I still think that he's one of the, the best uh, coaches out there that deserve a bigger gig. So... With that said, we're gonna we're gonna move into uh, playoff rankings, uh, top four, um, first two out as well to see what's going on there. It creates a really tough scenario this week because, well, I don't think Florida is good enough to be in the top four yet, and I and I say that as if the season were to end today, I don't think Florida would would be in the top four. They would not be chosen to go to the playoff. But at the same time, Texas A&M beat Florida, and their only one loss is to Alabama. So I think automatically we're going to start there is A&M 5, Florida 6. And the reason being is Texas A&M beat them head-to-head. Okay? So now getting into the top four, if the season were to end today, this is how I would rank it. I would put Alabama at one. I would put Ohio State at two. And honestly, if it were to end today, I would put Notre Dame at two. I do not think Notre Dame is a better football team than Ohio State, but they have played more games. 
So we've seen that they could win. So I would say Alabama one, Notre Dame two, um, Ohio State three, Clemson four. Okay. And those would be the matchups that I would have. Now, that's how I would do it. You can agree or disagree with that. But the only reason it being is, yes, I think Ohio State's better. But I also think we have a bigger sample size with Notre Dame, and they're undefeated, and they've been taking care of business, um, definitely, especially in the trenches where they've struggled so long. Uh, so that's why I would put it that way. And it'll be interesting to see how when these rankings start coming out, I think it'll be in the next two weeks that they'll start coming out um, from the committee to see how they kind of view what what everybody's doing, if they're even taking sample sizes into to effect or anything like that. So that's who I have. Let me know if you have anything different. Let me know why you would have anything different. And we'll talk a little bit. There's something I wanted to touch base on here uh, in college football is if you haven't been watching the uh, the Pac-12 any, um, well, first of all, I don't understand why people don't really watch Pac-12 football. Like, it's still football. So there's some – Definitely some interesting players to watch out there. They're kind of starting up. And I'm going to give you a couple names to keep your eye on just uh, from the standpoint of, hey, you know, I've heard his name and, and I'm, you know, I, I'm familiar with it. I'm going to watch him play because some of these players are absolute um, studs. And the first one I will, I will say is uh, Jaden Daniels. At Arizona State, I know a lot of you probably have heard me talk about that, and I, I think that he's very good. I think Arizona State's a, a really good uh, up and coming program right now under Herm Edwards. So, uh, if you get a chance, you know, watch them. You're, you're not going to be disappointed. And I'm saying this because I think that the Pac-12 gets a bad rap. Uh, Brady Scott and I, we we watch Pac-12 football. We watch all the football. So. We, you know, we even watched the Pac-12 after Darsh, just staying up late watching it. Um, and so I'm just kind of giving you insights on, hey, this is this is, you know, who who you should watch for sure, just to see play a couple times. Um, number two is Keaton Slovis, that uh, quarterback at USC. If you haven't seen him, USC's balling right now. So uh, definitely um, keep an eye on that, and pay attention. I think the one guy that is really up and coming, though, he's a true freshman. Uh, he's a quarterback at Washington State. He's uh, Jaden Delora. He is um, a certified baller, and I will give him that stamp. He, he's he been playing really well. Uh, he makes some crazy throws. Uh, he made one, you know, against Oregon uh, Saturday night, and it was, just, you know, it was beautiful. So those are just kind of like – I don't know. I was just thinking about that. A lot of people have been disrespecting the Pac-12 and their late start and stuff, and it's not the players' fault, you know. So if you get a chance to watch any of these guys, you know, watch them. Um, they're really good. They know what they're doing. And I think that if there's a quarterback guru that comes on the show, I would argue that um, one of these guys is the, is a top five quarterback in the country, and I would and I would 
take that to my grave. So moving on a little bit outside of college football, we'll we'll talk about the NFL just real quick. Um, the Saints are the number one team in the NFC. Steelers are the number one team in the AFC uh, after this week. The Saints, Drew Brees does go down. He he went down yesterday evening, injured ribs. Saints are expecting maybe they're preparing that he's going to miss a couple games. Uh, I think that's more precautionary than anything. Jameis Winston came in, didn't do anything great, didn't do anything stupid. Uh, so I think that they'll be in good hands. They'll be fine if Drew Brees has to sit out. Uh, there's a, There was a wild finish in the Bills-Cardinals game with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, if you weren't on Twitter, you you missed some good memes. You definitely missed a lot of hype around it because now it's, well, DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the NFL. And I'm not saying he – I am saying he's not. I think he's definitely a top two or three wide receiver. I think Michael Thomas is still the best wide receiver in the league. Um, he's been hurt a lot this year. Had some weird off-field incidents. I don't understand what's going on there. But it's crazy. Uh, Kyler Murray is – Kyler Murray, to me, is what everybody wants Lamar Jackson to be. And I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is bad. I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is an awful quarterback. He's not. But I think that Lamar Jackson, his MVP season last year, was a flash in the pan. Meaning that in the NFL, teams adapt to things. I remember when when freaking uh, the, the Dolphins ran the Wildcat offense, really. With uh, with um, God, I can't. It was Soprano, and it was a big deal. Like people really, really were struggling to stop it. People were really not catching on to how it was working, and then they just kind of figured out. Well, it's just a power run, you know, like a QB power with the running back. So. Things evolve, especially in the NFL. People catch on to what you're doing fast. I think that the NFL has caught on to what the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson are doing, what they did last year. They've adjusted to it. They know how to stop it. So I think Kyler Murray doesn't get a lot of respect he deserves. Also, I think the Bills are just absolute, like, the most bipolar football team in the NFL. They don't know if they want to be to be good, and they don't know if they want to suck. So they just take, you know, different weeks here and there and decide, you know, we're going to suck for this amount of time, and we'll just start playing like we normally do. So I think that Kyler Murray has earned himself a spot to be in this MVP conversation. Russell Wilson is still in that mix. I still, I still have Russell Wilson as my number one choice, but he's kind of—I wouldn't say he's struggling. The Seahawks are losing games that they shouldn't lose, and that's going to probably come back to haunt him because, as as you know, the the Heisman Trophy, the MVP awards, those those really for the most part. It's 70% popularity and 30% of stats and what you did. 
So I really think that Kyler Murray is starting to gain some traction. I think Alvin Kamara definitely should be in this conversation, and he may have the best case because he's the best player on the best team in the NFC. So I think that those are three guys that have really good cases to be the MVP. I'm interested to see how the second half of the season is going to work out and and play to their advantage, see who ultimately is going to win that. So moving on to a couple more recaps of the NFL. Uh, the, the Browns in the Texans game was absolute crazy. Like if you saw the score, you probably like, what was going on here? I mean, I think they were playing in like a freaking just like a monsoon gust storm. It was it was absolutely insane. So that was a very low scoring game. Did not check the weather before I bet the over on that game. So that was a rookie move for sure. And I think that the Chargers, I'll talk about them for a second. Uh the Raiders beat them uh, on Sunday. The Chargers are two and seven. They are a couple weeks ago. I talked about how I think that the AFC West could have the best, could be the best division in the NFL that has the best quarterbacks. And I still stand by that statement. I think that Drew Locke is a is a he's a slightly above average quarterback right now. I, I do believe that. I think that he's going to have more of a growing concern and it's going to be a longer period because yeah he didn't really play his first year he stayed hurt this year so let's get a let's get a full season and in normal conditions normal off season and then let's start making our assessment of how he's going to be and then with the chargers they can't win they can't win ball games and i don't know why justin herbert you know, he's, he's been playing really good lately. And I think Anthony Lynn's a good coach. Like, I really do. But at some point, you have to win those ball games. You have to close out those games. And I don't know what it really comes to because everyone wants to talk about the Falcons and how they're blowing leads. But you, you kind of look to the East, to the West Coast, and the Chargers are doing the same thing, and I've done it more times. And nobody wants to talk about it. There's definitely some concerns in L.A. with the Chargers. I think that it has to be addressed. Like, you've got to finish ball games, whether that's from an offensive standpoint of just controlling the clock, controlling the ball, and a defensive standpoint, just like, look, you got to step up and just make one stop and we're good. Uh, some things have to be done. And... I don't think Anthony Lynn will get fired this year. I really don't. But if this continues, he probably he may. I think he'll go into next season on the hot seat, even if they lose all these games. But at some point, there has to be at least a spark in, you know, to the fire, like like you're seeing in Cincinnati. Like, no, they're not winning ball games, but. Holy shit, we made the right decision in drafting Joe Burrow. You know, like he's playing good. Now we have to go fix everything else. That's kind of how it is with the Chargers. I think it's like, look, 
we got to figure out where the problem is for sure. And let's go try to fix it. And if it just happens to be, okay, well, it's not the quarterback play. Okay. Because we got rid of Phillip Rivers. So we now we know it's not the quarterback play. What What is it? And I could not honestly tell you. I'm being dead serious. Uh, I mean, they could use more weapons on the outside that don't get hurt. Like, yes, Keenan Allen's a really good wide receiver, but he does he does stay hurt a lot. Um, that's I think that's just like a Charger curse. Honestly, they're going to have somebody just tear their ACL or something in the preseason in training camp week one and just be out for the entire year. So something should definitely be be evaluated in that situation. All right, so that's all that we're going to talk about today. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, Wednesday we'll get with the we'll do the mailbag. So I'll I'll post um, a story on my Instagram page. Just um, let me know if you have any questions. I have a few people that have sent in already. Uh, so it should be a, a really good mailbag. I'm hoping to get, obviously, a lot more. I want to answer all your sports questions, whether, you know, that's, that's sports topics related, whether it's sports media related. Um, if you have questions um, about anything else like that, I don't really do fantasy just because I'm not very good at fantasy. So you don't want my advice on that. Uh, gambling picks. Uh, we do. I'll do all my gambling picks with uh, on the Faith with Caution podcast. So you can find all that there. And I'm looking forward to um, booking a couple guests to come on, and, and we're going to talk sports in a different view. I'm going to do a couple interviews with it. I got some things lined up already. It's kind of why we were out. I was out last week. Um, and I think these will be interesting topics that y'all will enjoy. Uh, so definitely uh, stay on the lookout for that. Um, but – Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great day and a great week, and I hope all your teams win. Thank you for listening to The Chandler Carney Show, brought to you by Air Raid Sports. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Air Raid Sports. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a review.